everyone, welcome back for another episode of And Why. My name is Annie and I'm the host of this podcast. Today's episode is going to be with Kevin Peters. He is the co-founder and chief technology officer of AgeRate. AgeRate is a early stage biotech startup focused on longevity and epigenetics. They use predictive algorithms and a blood sample from you to monitor your rate of aging and then figure out how you can change your lifestyle to further your lifespan or slow down your aging. He will explain this a lot better in the episode, but super, super cool. He honestly did did so much and this episode is going to like touch upon everything he did in his life like you know starting a restaurant and you know uh, working for the Canadian government like he is so cool this episode is really really going to touch upon you know different areas of his life and how he got to where he is what is his why and I can't wait for you guys to listen to this so before we go into the episode though I do want to you know, give a little shout out to our sponsor. Sponsor is Chillology. Chillology is a tea brand that is focused on elevating your overall wellness. So it ties really well with this episode. I'm super excited. And Chillology, I love, I love, love their hojicha powder. Chillology really, really uh, focuses on sustainability and minimalism and really helping people live their best life. And that's really what I got from the brand because I tried their teas out. I really did try and love their hojicha powder. If you don't know what that is, hojicha is a roasted matcha green tea powder. And if you love matcha, you would love hojicha. It's like a deeper, richer taste note. And Chillology was so happy so so kind (laughs) to give us a discount code so if you go to their page and you put in and why you will get a 10% off your first order so please give it a try I'm very very happy to hear that they wanted to sponsor and why but without further ado let's get into the episode Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good, Annie. How are you? I'm excited to finally be you know, on your podcast. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for everyone else who's tuning in right now. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you, too. Like, We have such good conversations outside of you know, a formal podcast, like sit, sit down. So it's like so nice to kind of get it recorded so that we can look back on it in the future. Um, so you're the co-founder of AgeRate, and... What's the best way you can like explain that to someone who like doesn't know what that is? Just like sure. a brief, like maybe like on a high level. So at age rate, we're, we're really unlocking the secret of living longer and healthier. So uh, to provide some context, like we're an early stage biotech company. We're based out of Ontario, Canada. Um, and right now we're also based out of Orlando, Florida. So we're setting up shop in, in the two countries and um we focus really on the science of longevity and epigenetics. So basically what we do is like we use machine learning uh, with these like large data sets um, to derive like meaning around uh, someone's like health span and their lifespan. Um, so we use a blood test and we allow people through that blood test to monitor their rate of aging, um, which is called biological age. And uh, we let people discover what types of interventions they can use um, to help improve their lifestyle habits. And then um, that would help slow down the aging process. So um, mm-hmm. some 
you might be wondering, you know, what is lifespan and health span and biological age and how does that differ from like chronological age? So um, there's two types of span. So lifespan is pretty much what people normally know. So lifespan is the total number of years um, that we live, but health span is how many of those years are actually healthy. Um, and it's like that difference between a healthy life and like a long life. We're trying mm -hmm. to close that gap. So you live as long as you can, but those years that you live are, are very happy and healthy and happy. Um, so the goal is trying to reduce the gap. Um, how do we reduce the gap is mainly the measurement of biological age. So chronological age is the age that you're most likely aware of. It's the age on your driver's license. And it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, how long um, has it been since you were born? But that's not really uh, the best surrogate to kind of measure how well your body is aging. So there's this concept of cellular age, and it's the age your body like truly uh, is operating at. And that's your biological age. Um, and we use this thing called DNA methylation um, through your blood measurements to kind of calculate and figure out um, what is like, how are you, is your body operating um, at, at that specific age? That's so cool. So I, so what you're saying is you, you can test my blood and then tell me that I'm actually 30, even though I'm 21. Yeah, and it could be the reverse too. Like, I don't know, you could be <laughs> 19 instead of 21. So um, there's a difference between genetics and epigenetics. So most people are familiar with genetics um, and that's, you know, what you're born with. You, most people might be familiar with 23andMe and Ancestry.com. It's mm -hmm. the concept of what you're born with is what you get. Whereas epigenetics is, um, more looking about how genes are expressed. So you might have certain genes that you're born with, but they can be turned on and off. And it's the measurement of how certain genes are turned on and off kind of composes your epigenetics. How things get turned on and off is based off a mix of lifestyle factors and environmental factors that affect you as you mm -hmm. grow. Um, and that changes um, this biomarker that we're measuring called DNA methylation. And you can imagine it probably best as like knobs, like maybe like knobs, like as like a DJ would have. Um, certain knobs can be like, instead of it being binary of like zero and one, um, a certain gene could be like 70% on or 30% on. Um, and it's because of that, it's like that, that's what we're measuring and that's very highly correlated um, to the aging process. So if DNA was kind of like the hardware of your body, epigenetics um, is more of like the software of your body that can be reprogrammed. And that's the most exciting thing is um, uh, <laughs> unlike genetics where like you can't really change anything, epigenetics, you can measure it and you can change it. So we're providing mm -hmm. people with the ability to know, kind of, it's kind of like going on a scale. They know their like scale measurement. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they exercise, they eat better, two months, sorry, two weeks or two months later, they step on the scale again, they see improvement. Um, this is going to be the first time people can do that with their age as well. That's so cool. So trying to reverse time right now through my DNA. <laughs> That's so cool. So obviously, you know, you didn't start this out of nowhere and your background is very diverse. So I want to talk about that a little bit. 
uh, you you were you started a restaurant. <laughs> I feel like everyone listening would be like, "What?" <laughs> so how does how did that you know how did that happen? And then how did that lead to age rate? Cool. So um, I was born uh, in Canada, and as you are aware, Canada is very diverse. So my dad's Indian, my mom's Filipino, um, and through like. I was at a certain age in my life. I think <clears throat> at the time I was 23, I think I'm 27 now, um, <coughs> excuse me. And I wanted to learn more about my Filipino culture. I was kind of a stage in my life where I was in finance previously and I wanted to leave uh, to start a few things. One is to like relearn about my Asian heritage, um, promote Filipino food and culture. Um, and also, try to build out software for restaurants um, in parallel. So, mm -hmm. but that kind of like led one thing to another. And I just ended up loving the restaurant side of things a lot more than building out the software. I love the marketing of it. I, I just love connecting um, with other people um, mm. who like, you know, Filipino food and other Filipinos as well. And I don't know, I, I always had like the entrepreneurial bug um, I think after age rate, I'm still going to go back into the restaurant business and like try out a few different experiments as well. Um, what I do like about the restaurant business, it's, you're always experimenting and trying out different things. It's like fast iteration. Um, I think now the question is like, how did, okay, well, how did I end up at age rate? So, um, my background at school was in biotechnology and I had a roommate, Nathan, um, who is also a biotech student. So we would be the type of, of guys who would like pitch ideas back and forth with each other. And I don't know, like some ideas were like, you know, trash, other ideas were interesting. <laughs> um, but it's, it was kind of like that seed of always like pitching ideas and, and then coming up with stuff. Um, a couple of years later, he reached out uh, because he, um, one of the profs at McMaster and then our other co-founder, Cole, they kind of, did preliminary research at McMaster University, uh, which is in Canada, sorry, and which, and which is our like big medical like school mm -hmm. over there. And they came up with the, the idea of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we can measure like biological age? And when you think about it, it's like, yeah, there's technically two ages, the age where you're at and then like the age where your, your cells are operating. At. You see some people who are, you know, they're 50, but they look like they're 30. And it's just like, why? Yeah, yeah. There's like, my mom. even, yeah, your mom, right? It's like definitely the Asian genes are, are strong. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, and you'll also see in twins too. There are twins who would maybe look uh, younger and more energetic than the other. Maybe one looks a bit more mature. Um, mm -hmm. And that's all of like environmental factors affecting it. And like, it's just such a cool like idea um, that we're just like, yeah, let's just, let's do this. Let's start, let's just start a, a biotech company around it. And it made sense for me because I felt like my biotech degree would have been completely useless if I didn't yeah. do something. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of like me getting my money's worth from that degree. That's so funny. But look, before that, you were working for the government of Canada, right? Before age rate or was that during? No, that was, that was before age rate. So I was in consulting um, and it was like more traditional consulting where I would advise different companies. Um, the last, I guess, engagement I worked for was like the government of Canada. I was one of like the chief architects there. Um, and that was like um, 
one of the most challenging like times in my life. Um, there was a team of like a hundred engineers and we were mm -hmm. working on this big initiative of how do we rethink uh, like Canada's like national housing strategy. Um, one major thing around that was around like one major thing around that was like the technology. How do we price homes? How do we price insurance? Why does it take two weeks for someone to get a quote for house insurance? Why can't that mm -hmm. be in three seconds? So the goal was like, how do we bring this two week process into three seconds? Um, and yeah, I was the youngest architect on the team out of five architects leading um, like this hundred uh, man engineering team. And it took a whole year to get to production. It was very most stressful like time in my life. But I could like say now that it's like, hey, the thing I built or helped design built is now like affecting the lives of every single Canadian today. Um, and I was glad I was able to like cross the finish line with that before I um, started working or working on Adrake full time. Oh, so Adrake was like part time, right? During yeah, that? it was. There was a time in my life where I was doing the restaurant Adrake and consulting, and it was oh like very gosh. stressful. And yeah, I had to like give up one. Um, so we ended up selling the restaurant, uh, back in 20, it was, so it was actually a few months before COVID. So we got very lucky. Mm. Uh, we sold the restaurant so we could open up a slightly bigger one closer to home, but yeah. And then COVID happened and, you know, things changed. Um, so like on my plate, my plate got a lot lighter and mm. then yeah, left to, to start the work on the startup. What, how did you decide which one you wanted to let go of though? Um, I think most people, maybe even listening to this, they'll have like those trade-offs in life where uh, they're going to school and maybe they're like, oh, should I leave school to do something? Or they're at, um, they're working for a company and they're thinking about jumping to create a startup. Um, I think people will start doing like mental trade-offs of, one, they'll start thinking financially. It's like, can I financially do this mm -hmm. um, and leave? But if mo I, I feel like most of the people listening to the podcast are from North America. Like, yeah. um, they, they're younger. They're younger. Like, I feel like they'll do fine. Um, and if it doesn't work out, they'll they'll just get like, another job. But like for me, the trade off was like, Filipino food is going to have its time soon. Um, I'm glad I had played a major part of it. And if you looked at the statistics of where we lived in Ontario, the amount of interest in Filipino food, if you looked at Google Trends, it shot up when we like came. So it's like, oh, I pretty God. much, like we pretty much did our, our job. Um, now it's like this other thing where it's like, hey, if we could make people live longer and um, started making people rethink um, how aging works, I think that would be, that would be such a great, thing to work on for the next um, couple of years to dedicate like my late twenties um, mm. working on this just cause it's such high impact. Um, and not a lot of people are thinking about longevity. They, they treat it as something that um, will naturally happen. And personally, I'm a bit torn with, uh, with this one. I do feel, um, you know, it, at some point people will die, mm -hmm. but if people, for the, the length of people live, if they can live healthy um, and they can do the same things that they were doing in their 20s and 30s when they're 80, I think that would be a very like good life. So instead of focusing on expanding lifespan, 
uh, it's more about improving um, the quality of their life while they're like they're on Earth. Um, so yeah, it was just the, the true trade-offs. I think uh, Adrian won in terms of, like the mission um, here. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah, because I think we talked about this before. We were like talking about sustainability and what happens if more people can live longer and then they multiply even more and maybe the planet cannot sustain 10 billion people, you know? But Mm -hmm. I think your point is exactly right. We're trying, you're trying to make those 80 years worthwhile instead of making them live to 100, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like if they're gonna live, <laughs> if they're gonna live to like sixty, might as well make it like worthwhile. awesome sixty years. Yeah, right, worthwhile. right, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I look forward to uh, being fifty and twenty at the same time, <laughs> using age rates like the little yeah. uh, kit. But how has it been for you um, with age rate? Has it been you know? You, it's still in the startup phase for people who don't know. So you guys are just like, you know, trying to get funding, right? And how has that been? Um, it's been mixed. Uh, you could imagine like, so when we started, Adriate was, is a, a baby that's like three years in development. Um, mm-hmm. The first two years was focusing on getting the science right. Um, and there was a lot of money spent into R&D. Mm-hmm. Um, was it like out of pocket? In- it was a mix between out of pocket, also government funding. The government saw what we were doing and they're like, wow, this is, you know, high impact. We want to, um, you know, give you guys grant money. Uh, we also got money from the university and that was enough to sustain us slash, uh, pump into R and D and to, to get the science right. But at the end of the day, um, Canada as, um, a culture, we're very conservative and we like to invest and put money in things that are financially sound. So uh, mining, banking, uh, agriculture, these are things that the business models are very cut in stone and um, the numbers are there and the risk is low. So when it came to raise money in Canada, no one was interested in in coming into this high risk business at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why we came to the States. Everyone, the culture is very different. Um, the amount of money you can raise here is a lot more. And ever since we moved down to Florida, um, raise fundraising still a challenge, but it's so much more easier than being in some of these conservative countries like maybe Canada, maybe Europe. Um, so much opportunity in the states, and you just meet the right people here. Um, fundraising is going uh, quite well. We're hoping to close our we're doing a seed round. We're hoping to close this round in August and then that'll give us enough runway for the next 18 months before we um, start opening up other rounds of financing like the Series A. That's what, It's so interesting that you said that the United States is a little bit more, well, I guess it's true because we're very strong in like starting businesses and entrepreneurship. Yeah. The culture um, here is like, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I believe go. that. But I didn't know that Canada was that conservative and, you know, they're very, like, they shy from risk because I feel like our countries are pretty similar. They're very, maybe I'm wrong. Quite similar, but like if Canada, the US is in the party, maybe America is like the popular person getting all the attention. Canada is like the nice kid or like the nice person (laughs) on the couch, like just drinking or like hanging out in the back. 
Oh my um, gosh. That's yeah, so true. Yeah, even in social settings too, like um, here it's, it's like, everyone's like, oh, why are you, why are you so quiet? I don't, like, I feel like I'm not being quiet, but to them, it's just like, I'm just feeling the room. I'm vibing out. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's just the way Canadians versus Americans are. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. No way. I don't, I didn't know that. You know, I don't see all, a lot of Canadians, so you guys should come down here more. Yeah. <laughs> all I know is maple syrup. Um, Hockey, hopefully. Yeah, and then the you uh, know the flag, yeah. Uh, ice yeah ice Poutine. hockey for sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so how do you like it here? You like it here? You're gonna stay here forever? Um, go tan in Florida. I do like Florida. Um, or so we're in Orlando, um, in a place called Lake Nona, and it's just it's nice. Uh, the people here are very friendly, kind of like Canadians. I think there's like a lot of Canadians down here, anyways. Interesting. Yeah, and the weather, it's amazing being in a place where it's just warm 12 months of the year. Where I am in Canada, like you're in your house for eight months because it's just snowing or like the weather's like way too cold. Oh my God. Um, yeah, and you only enjoy like the sun like for three months of the year. Not nice. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like that is the same here um, in New York. Or yeah, anywhere I feel like New York's quite similar. Yeah, Florida is an odd, probably because like it's surrounded by water, um, so that's why it's a little warmer. But yeah, it's funny because my perception of Florida or like Canadian perception of Florida is like there's gators and people wrestling alligators and just monster <laughs> trucks and everything, um, and uh, it's not wrong. I've definitely seen all of that while I was down. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the people are also very nice, which was like a huge surprise to me. Yeah, I think that's something I learned recently, too. I think most people, most states, anywhere in the world, most people are decent. Like, they're not they're not evil by, you know, intention. I think it's it's just ignorance and just, you just, you know, you meet them and they're definitely nice people. Maybe maybe ignorant. That's a really mm-hmm. good word. Um, so that's really nice. That's like you enjoyed Florida. I'm, I've only been there a couple times, but I have one question. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You juggled all this stuff and you juggled, you know, your consulting and your, you know, your past careers and then your restaurant and then you started Age Rate. How did you manage your time? You know, I know for me, it's like it's so hard to include social life sometimes. Do you even take care of yourself? Do you, did you shower? Like what? <laughs> How did you manage your time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you eat? <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, maybe I can break this down in like potentially like two things. Um so there was a time when uh when I first graduated school I worked at a bank um which was RBC in Toronto it's like one of the big banks down there um at very finance culture very downtown-esque type of life and I got very stressed out and I would look at people I'm like how how are you guys doing this like how, how can you do so many things at once and there were times where I would have like three to four projects at like at the bank. And I'm just like, I, I have no idea how I'm, how I'm going to work on this. I got like super stressed out and there was uh, my manager. I talked to him about it. I don't think he was my manager at the time, but he was like one of like the mentors. He eventually became my manager and he taught me like the skill set of being able to um, kind of like contextualize things. So in software, um, 
there's this thing about context switching. So if you're jumping from project to project, your coding variables are changing, na like names are changing, problems are changing, um, files are changing, and it's just so hard to keep track of the business context and the, the coding context. So something I learned from him, and it was kind of solidified um, when I read about Elon Musk is, he told me that you should dedicate one day to do something good and do it right and just do that one thing for that day. So mm -hmm. at the time when I was juggling my, my job at, in consulting and then um, Adriate and the restaurant, I would pick like two days a week to just work on Adriate, two or three. And then the next day I would just focus on the restaurant. And then the next day I would just work on um, maybe like consulting. So that was, um, that helped me like manage, I guess my life is if I look at it from like a whole week, I could just pick, pick specific days. So I'm not stressed out. I can eat, I can shower. <laughs> I can like still <laughs> hang out with my friends, but yeah, there are times so maybe I can talk a touch about the social part, but just to like tie it up in a knot is the way Elon Musk is able to work at Tesla and the boring company and SpaceX is because he picks one day uh, to just dedicate to one company or, or one project. Um, mm -hmm. And it worked out um, as like for me, at least like my brain is like single threaded. It's not like I can't parallelly work on multiple things at the same time. And yeah, people are stressed out. I, I highly encourage them to, to try out this technique of just dedicating one day a week um, on something rather than, you know, juggling or spinning plates on several things at the same time, especially when <laughs> I guess you're young or you just graduate, you feel like you need to maybe prove yourself or, hey, this person is doing like three things. Like, why, why am I not working on like, you know, two to five startups at the same time? Uh, like, it just doesn't work out well. Um, so it's good to just dedicate like one, one thing at a time. Now from the social part, um, yeah, there are periods, there are like dark periods when it's just really hard. Um, I remember when I left, like my whole social circle was at the bank. And when I left to start my restaurant, um, I couldn't hang out with them. My restaurant was like 40 minutes away from where people, like where my friends were at. And during the day, at mm -hmm. after the lunch rush, after the lunch rush, which is around 2 p.m., it gets lonely in the restaurant. And sometimes you just want to hang out with people, but like, you know, they're at work. So yeah, um, if you jump into entrepreneurship, you're gonna have your like your everyday friends that you hang out and talk with, but then you're gonna make new like entrepreneurial friends that you're gonna hang out with. And maybe these are the people um, you get like that social life fixed from. Uh, the thing about entrepreneurship is like the relationships you have your, with your customers, they're great, but at the end of the day, you're, you're still your customer. There's some type of, um, incentive yeah. there or and same same thing with your employees you can be friends with your employees but at the end of the day there's still a barrier um, there's only so much you can be buddy buddy with um, there are some problems that you can't really turn to your employees with or your um, your customers with right mm -hmm. um, so that's why you need like a like a group of entrepreneur friends as well that makes sense but like, how, how about like relationships and, you know, cause I feel like that's, that's been like my issue, mm. just like 
yes, I have core friends because I'm I'm the type of person who my circle of friends are really, really small or like the, the people that I put a lot of energy to is small. But other there's like other people I'm like, OK, yeah, like you're here, like whenever, you know, we we do want to talk, we can chat and like hang out. But that's easy. But then the relationship part, it's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, 30 and wrinkly and Ooh, like that's a tough one, though. <laughs> that's actually tough. Um, and, you know, my biological, you know, age to produce is, like, dwindling, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how, how do you – I mean, guys are easier because you can, you can do whatever till you're 45 and you're still fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 50s and 60s, you know? You yeah. Sometimes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can truly give advice on this. Maybe I can give some perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, like, what is, what is your perspective on relationships and, like – you know, did you like push that off for a couple years? Um, like, what so are the I sacrifices did, you had to I make? did for a bit. I was in a relationship right before I started the restaurant. Uh, we ended it. That was like a hard time because it was like I left my job, my full-time job, um, mm-hmm. went through this breakup, and then started this restaurant, you know, by <laughs> myself. So it was like a very challenging time. Um, I, At the end of the day, I do love these periods in my life. And I think people do relish these periods when you know they go yeah. through a breakup for guys it's like they go through a breakup a couple months later they're like jacked or like they have like this sick skill that they've developed yeah. and they're like <laughs> they've like up up their their rank if, if you will or they leveled up um yeah but yeah like there's times of stabilization like when you start a business and you're currently in a relationship you're gonna have to communicate and in a way and understand the partner to be like, Hey, you know, you're busy. There's, there's challenges that, um, you're going through, especially when starting and startup life is hard that if you bring those problems home every day or to your partner, that's the only thing that they're going to hear about. And it's like, it's, it's going to be a mix of knowing how to come, compartmentalize communication with your partner to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, if I'm going to bitch about the business, I'm going to bitch around these times. But like, if we're on a date or something, we're just going to talk about like the relationship, but it's hard for people Mm -hmm. to like separate that sometimes. And that's when problems come. There's also going to be times where I know a lot of people who end up starting companies and then they end up like the life changes doesn't work like you're working you know now 17 like 12 to 16 hours a day and you just have less time for your partner um and then once the business stabilizes, then it's just like okay now i have more time but that person's gone Mm. so i think like the, the way it'll work is like constant communication um once you start a business or you're going through it and then you find a partner i think this partner knows what they're signing up for now (laughs) um you know uh but I feel like I'm still talking it from like a guy side I think it applies for females too but I think I like hearing your perspective though because I feel like guys don't communicate as well and from my experience like they kind of if they're busy they just expect you to know that they're busy and then that's why they didn't respond for three days (laughs) but um it's interesting I think I think you would be better in a relationship because you you have this idea of like oh you have to be communicative and you have to compartmentalize better but it wasn't like that in my experience I'm the I'm the one who's more like communicative and like the guy isn't so it's interesting I guess it really depends who you attract and 
who you are as a person. Um, but you didn't sacrifice that, right? You had a relationship or you have a relationship. Or <laughs> Now I'm dating. <laughs> but yes. it's like, yeah, it's still like, even if I were to go into like a full-time relationship, I mean, it would be hard because I'm traveling now, right? Right. Um, so you would just have to find a partner who's aware of what's going on. And I feel like most people are feeling this anyways, because it's COVID. Like everyone's in like this weird long distance relationship. Maybe not in the States, but in Canada, everyone's in lockdown. Like it's a, it's a disaster up there. Are you in a um, long distance relationship? Everything's... No, I'm not, I'm not, but it's just like, um, okay. well, actually no, technically, well. <laughs> 40 minutes in, away. Like in Canada though. A lot of people, like, they felt it when the government was like, hey, stay at home order. No one can leave their house. Mm. Um, and that's where it's just like these three-year relationships or two-year relationships got really tested then. Um, mm. Because now you're in a dynamic where you're either living with this person every day in the same, like, 600-square-meter apartment or whatever, and you have to deal right. with them in this new dynamic. Or it's like the complete opposite situation where you're now apart and you can't see each other like because you live you know maybe in one city and the other person lives in another city or it's the same city but they're just far apart but like mm -hmm. the police are like hey where are you going you should be at home yeah so mm -hmm. that's so funny you mentioned that because there wasn't one person that I've been talking to and he was like a co-worker from another company and he was like yeah like COVID I had to move in or like my girlfriend moved in with me and she doesn't pay rent and like she's so messy and I'm just like that's so funny you um, find out such interesting things about like your partner then like maybe yes. you have like things to share but it's like yo, know, put the toothpaste cap back on um yes and so like, why is the door not locked like when you come in or I don't know it's just like little things like aggravate you aggravate you but it's like if you can live through those little things and you know I think that's yeah like, you're in it you're in it for the long run now yeah that's what that's why I told him I was like well I think I think you're just not that into her you know like because or maybe it was such a turnoff that it's just like, she's so messy I can't stand her but I agree that you should mm -hmm. live together before you marry because all those little things it's a lifetime it's a, it's a lifetime um, investment <laughs> yeah it's like you, your home or your space is like your space right so there's like a certain way you set your cutlery or it's like there's a certain way you rearrange your fridge <laughs> or you like to work out at a certain time but that person is like I don't know on the phone or like it sounds being over dramatic but I think everyone who moves in with someone gets what I'm talking about yeah 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 oh anyways we like sidetracked really badly, but it all ties back to age rate, right? And we have to sacrifice things when we become entrepreneurs. And you didn't really sacrifice too much, maybe like going out time and um, some circles of friends, but, you know, that can evolve with time. Um, but that's good. You're dating now. You're not sacrificing much. You're chilling. You're getting... But, yeah. um, I think uh, like for the people who are listening that are thinking about like at the stage of life where they're about to jump in. Um, mm -hmm. If there's like a checklist of things that they would consider is knowing that, yeah, your financials are going to take a hit. And I think everyone is aware 
right? Yes. But it's the little other things that are actually not little. They're very important things that people won't think about. One is like the mental stress that you might deal with, mm-hmm. um, which is your friends are you know far away. You can't really talk to them. And they mm-hmm. might be progressing in their life, mm-hmm. but you're trying to get this startup off the ground and you might not get traction for like 12 months or 24 months, or you might not get traction at all and you might fail. And now your friends are like at a much higher level than, than when we started. So there's like that optic slash psychology game you're going to have to deal with. Mm. Well, second, third is like definitely relationships. It's all like social pressures, internal and external. Uh, one from your family too. They might, you know, start asking questions, especially if you're mm-hmm. from like an Asian family. Um, so yeah, th- these are these are things that you have to deal with. But like once you start hitting milestones, um, then it becomes easier and easier. And now it's just like you don't have like if work not working for anyone and working for yourself is something that people want to attain. Like you can attain that. You might realize that you just hate working for yourself more. Um, and through that journey, it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather just work for someone or I'd rather work at a startup. So I get the startup life. And so, yeah, it's definitely a journey and there's a lot of things that you're going to have to trade and think about before you actually, you just jump into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Entrepreneur and life, you know, super cool. Hashtag stressed, <laughs> but rewarding. Um, so I, I, I think this is good. I think, um, I'm so excited to share age rate and like, hopefully people listen and will be curious. I know they're all young, um, and they're not thinking about, you know, what their eighties yet, but I think we're living in a time where we should think about longevity and living longer. Um, so yeah, here's maybe an important thing for like, I guess the younger audiences in their twenties or like maybe in their early thirties is that the earlier you start, the the more it compounds. So yeah. if you start thinking about longevity when you're 60, you can still have improvements, but it would almost be too late. You would have to start young and start applying the right, you know, nutrition um, activities, um, I guess like mental activities as well into your life. And then that's when you start seeing many more years added to uh, the end of your life rather than a, a couple months. So it's important to start thinking about it now if possible. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about it now because of you. So <laughs> scaring me with this, like I'm actually 30 uh, biologically. So um, yeah, thank you so much for, you know, um, sharing your story and your wisdom as a 27 year old uh, startup and entrepreneur. And yeah. Hopefully I'm not 30. Hopefully you watch Demon Slayer. You are. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, thanks everyone who's listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, totally subscribe to Annie's podcast. Um, in the link or like in the description, I'm sure like she'll uh, add like Adrate's website so you can sign up for our beta test. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like I'm going to watch the new Demon Slayer movie. I'll, maybe I'll just give everyone the link to the movie. I'm so well. done. <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Maybe I'll like, put it in. This episode's <laughs> going to come out in like June though because I'm moving out. Oh, so. perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll get your review of, of Demon Slayer later on. <laughs> cool. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you so All right, much. Thanks, Annie. Bye. 
Hey, lovely people. If you guys are interested in listening to more episodes from us, since you made it all the way to the end, might as well subscribe to our podcast. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, if you want to, give us a rate and review so that we can reach more people with our stories. If you guys don't want to do any of those things, uh, if you want to, share us on social media and we'd love to hear what you guys think of this episode. And to look, I look forward to seeing you in other episodes as well. But yeah, bye. Thank you.